because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, as we consider your word and we consider the story of your work on our behalf today, we pray, as always, for insight and understanding into who you are and into the relationship you're calling us into with you, with each other, and with ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, it's great to see everybody here today. By everybody, I mean all like 10 of us today, but we are having fun here in person. Thank you for braving the storms and for all of our Zoomers, thank you for being with us today. If you have been with us over the last month, you know that in January, for years, in years past and and this year, we like to spend time uh, thinking and talking about and reflecting on, on what we're doing here as a community, what Advent Hope as a community is all about. And so we've been wrestling with our purpose and elements of our mission and our strategy for succeeding and so on. And so today we're coming to the end of January. This is, it seemed like a long January. I don't know about you all, but uh, every January seems long, exactly. So it's been cold here in New York. I, I'm assuming February is going to be the same way. We're going to be feeling the same way there. But January, we're coming to the end of uh, January and coming at the end of this reflection. Of course, we're always thinking about our purpose and mission, but today as we ended, we wanted to reflect on the great, the great narrative of what we're doing here. You know, if someone asks you, like, what you believe... Uh, what, what do you believe as a, as a Christian? What do you believe as an Adventist? We all have our like, favorite kind of doctrinal theological things that we're, we may be into or reasons that we were drawn to this particular, particular tra- tradition. But the reality is that Christians have shared in a great narrative uh, since Jesus uh, came the first time. And so today we want to reflect on that narrative in particular. Uh, we want to be able to share what uh, the core is of what we believe. And so we actually uh, provided a page on our website that you can follow along with today. So if you've got access to the, to the web, you may be on your device, you have to switch over or whatever. If you go to avenhope.org, you'll see a little new navigation button on the top. We're always adapting and changing our website around to make it more effective for, for you now that it's basically the front door for Avenhope. But uh, if you go to avenhope.org, you'll see a, a bar at the top that says beliefs. We're going to try to flesh this out over time to add a few more statements just to articulate a little bit more clearly what we're, we're all about. But under that, you click on that and you'll see the good news. And we have 13 texts there that tell the narrative of God's work on our behalf. And so if you're, you're able to, we'd love for you to go there and you can follow along. I'm just going to re- recite the, we're going to recite the story of God's work on our behalf. And then in a few minutes, we're going to take part in the Lord's Supper uh, together. So again, if you're at home now, not now, maybe at some, some point between now and the, and the, the uh, communion service, you want to get, again, your, your bread and juice together. But uh, listen, the Bible, I would make the, the uh, assertion that the Bible 
in its most kind of simple form is really a narrative. 66 books, yes, there's poetry, there's government letters, there's uh, records, there's a whole book called Numbers that's literally numbers, counts of groups of people. But in its most simple form, the Bible put together is a narrative. It's a story about God's work on our behalf. 66 books all unified in telling this story of how God has worked for humanity. If you don't believe me, think about Genesis chapter 1 where we start to get together. I mean, any good story starts with in the beginning, right? In the beginning. And so in Genesis chapter 1, that's the beginning of the story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so the in the beginning narrative and the idea of God here is also articulated to help us to understand that this God is a God of plurality, that God has always existed in, in community with himself, uh, Father, Son, Spirit, since eternity. And so God, the God family, creates this beautiful world in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And so we read that narrative and you see it there as uh, the first verse in these 13 verses on your good news narrative on, on the website there if you're following along. In the beginning, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, they create the world. And then we're told that they make the few first humans and the idea is that they're perpetuating the, the family. They, love to ha- they want to have kids, you know, like parents. They want to have more kids. And so they create Adam and Eve, the first parents, and, uh, and things are great. But then in Genesis chapter 3, we get the story of the ancient enemy shows up, an enemy that shows out throughout the Hebrew scripture, scriptures, often in kind of very subtle ways, but here in a very overt way as a, a serpent. And so in Genesis chapter 3, you have the serpent, God's adversary, God's enemy, convincing, tricking, if you will, the first parents to go on their own way, to shun God's plan and uh, his sovereignty and, and go on their own and do their own thing. And so that's the tragic story of Genesis chapter 3. But if you keep reading in Genesis chapter 3 in verse 15, one of the key texts in all of the Bible, you have the first inkling, the first indication that God has a plan. God has a plan despite the choice the first humans made. God has a plan to fix things. And so in Genesis chapter 3, 15, we have the first good news. Theologians call it the proto-evangelium, the, the, the first the first introduction of the gospel in, John, in Genesis chapter 3.15. So then the rest of the Hebrew scriptures really tell the story of what happened after humans decided to go their own way. And so you have war and injustice, malice, violence, nature is disrespected and, and destroyed. You have uh, humans fighting against each other. You have human communities fighting against each other. And it's just a, a long, sad story that really leads up to where we are today this broken world that all goes back to the humans deciding that they want to go their own way and do their own thing. And so that all goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. But there is good news, and the good news is that God didn't give up on humanity. He didn't give up on us, uh, his kids. And so in John chapter 3, verse 16, our fourth text in this, this narrative, this good news narrative, we see that even though the humans rejected God. God did not reject us. He didn't give up on us. And so John chapter 316, maybe the most famous passage in all of the Bible, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him won't die forever, but has the opportunity to live forever. 
And here is actually even a, a more important kernel of truth. God loves the world than just what he did for the world. God loves the world. This is God's, uh, this is God's desire for the world. He's not angry. So many theological suppositions have been made throughout human history that there, if there is a God, he must be angry because look at the state of the world. But the Bible asserts that the God is... He loves the world. He has a disposition of love toward the world. He wants the world to, and the humans of the world, his kids, to have the best. And so he sent his one and only son to save the world. And whoever, whoever believes in him has the opportunity into this renewed relationship with him. And in fact, this renewed relationship is, is rooted in the work of Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself in our fifth text tells us that God designed this plan so that we as humans would be compelled by God's love. John chapter 12 and verse 32 says, this is Jesus, he said, when I am lifted up from the earth, foreshadowing his death on the cross, when I am lifted from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. That's the, the cry of the heart is that, that we as humans will get it through our, our thick skulls that God loves the world and he's willing to do anything to bring us back into restored relationship with him. God is, is, is presenting a compelling action to draw us to him. And then we're told that at Jesus' death, when he did die, something incredible happened. There were people, it was a small group of, of people at the time, but when Jesus died and breathed his last, there were people who came out of the grave. Jesus died and because of that, there are people who were resurrected, and we're told that, and we talked about this last week, you can go back to last week's sermon and get more on this, but people came to, to back to life, but this was, again, just foreshadowing what was to come in the future, because three days later, Jesus himself was raised from the grave, and the great hope is that we all have hope for resurrection in the future, and so those who were resurrected, that small group who were res resurrected when Jesus died, are again foreshadowing what is to come for all of those who embrace a work in Jesus. And so our te seventh text, Jesus is resurrected, but then the great hope, our eighth text, Colossians chapter 2. Again, all of this is on the website. So if, you, if somebody asks you, like, hey, what do Christians believe? What do Adventists believe? There's a lot of things, but you can go to and say, look, the core, the core is right here. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13, our eighth text in this gospel narrative, this gospel story, when you were dead in your sins and uncircumcised in your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. This is great news. When you were dead, some of us are feeling like really dead today. We're like, we don't have it together. We're not the person we want to be. Our resolutions haven't worked out. We are not the, 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 at the place we want to be in our experience. The good news of the good news is that when you feel dead, God is still working to make you alive. And every human on the planet gets to share in this good news. This resurrection life isn't just for one group of people. You know, again, throughout human history, people have said, you know, God, he has favorites, and he likes this group or this group because of this thing or that thing. But the good news is, and this is articulated in Romans chapter 10, our ninth text in the gospel narrative, is that God is for everybody. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
It doesn't matter who you are. For with your heart you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess faith. If you are willing and able to profess faith in Jesus, it doesn't matter what your background is or where you come from or how old you are or how young you are or how rich or how, or how poor. Everybody's in. This, this is for everyone. God's work is for everyone. And the promise is that there's going to be ultimate restoration, that God is working for a, a new world, that he's going to make all things new. And so in Revelation chapter 21, our 10th text, we're told that the, one of Jesus' apostles says he saw a holy city coming down. And in that city was, uh, was, was God. He was restoring his dwelling to be with humans. This is a reconciliation from the garden story when God had to remove himself. Now God is coming back and he's going to dwell with the humans again. And you kind of get the idea that there's excitement in the air. Like God is excited to be back with his people and he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. No more death or mourning or crying or pain. No more funerals. No more COVID. No more sadness. No more quarantine. God is with us. Ultimate restoration. God bringing back things. But this restoration isn't just for that future time when God makes all things new. The restoration is for now. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, this is our 11th text in the gospel narrative, if anyone is in Christ today, the new creation has come. This isn't just for off in the distant uh, future. Today, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. You can be a new creation is here. It's here now, Paul says. All this is from God who reconciled himself to us through Christ and gave us reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. It's good news. That's why we call it the gospel, good news. Our 12th uh, text in this gospel narrative is Ephesians chapter 2. We just read it. Because of God's great love for us, that's an important premise. God loves us because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, makes us alive in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. Again, throughout human history, people who've thought and studied about God, they've always come up to the conclusion, well, that God must be uh, wanting us to prove ourselves to him. And so the idea that you had to work or you had to earn your, your, your keep, if you will, has always been around. But the, the gospel is you're, you're not going to earn it. You don't need to earn it. This is, a, this is a father, this is a parent who loves his kids and he wants the best for us and he's inviting us into restored relationship. And all what you have to do is receive it. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. And finally, we may wonder, well, all of this sounds great, but you know, what, when is the conclusion coming? This world seems such a broken mess, and things don't seem to be getting fixed, and we keep coming up with ideas about how to fix it, and it just never happens. What's going on? Why is God taking so long? And we come to our final text, text 13, 2 Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. He's not slow. He is patient not wanting anyone to be lost. He's holding back. Like He has a plan. Things are going to be restored. He's going to make all things new, but he wants to give every single person on the planet now and person in the future who has the opportunity to embrace his work and be a part of this restoration. He wants to give everybody an opportunity, so he's not slow. He's patient, 
not wanting anyone to be lost. And so, this, it's this gospel narrative. Of course, you could add text to these. These are 13 that we're hoping will help you be able to, to, to reflect on the story yourself. Maybe you want to share this with somebody. Maybe you want to tell somebody, hey, this is the heart of, of what I believe as a Christian. And so we share this narrative today, and we remember it in a very special way. In just a few moments, we're going to share in this, this bread and this juice. And so again, if you haven't had the opportunity to go and to get your symbols, these are symbols. You know, somebody this morning, they asked if it was okay to do it with Cheerios. Amen to that. Whatever you got, we're sharing in the symbols uh, uh, together. And so if it's Cheerios or whatever, we invite you to go get those. And in just a few moments, we're going to take the the bread, and we're going to take the juice, and we're going to remember this narrative story, the story of God working on behalf of humankind, and as we accept this story, and so we celebrate open communion here at Avon Hope, which means if you are willing to embrace God's work on your behalf, if you're like, listen, this story is, is, is my story, and I want this a part of my experience, then you can partake in the communion service with us, and we hope you will today, and so get your bread, get your juice, we're going to sing together a few songs, get ourselves our, our hearts prepared, and then we're going to share in this great and ancient meal together, recalling God's work on our behalf as we take it into ourselves and let God do what only He can do in us. Amen.